0: But um, you don't need anybody to lay hands on you. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit um, this morning. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this this morning. Welcome everybody. Welcome all, all of those who are online. Um, I'm really excited for what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. But before we start, I want you, if you've got a Bible, I want you to just take your Bible. If you've got your phone, just take your phone. <laughs> um, and I just want you to, to declare with me this morning, Just say with me, this is the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is alive and active. And the Holy Spirit is here now to give me Revelation. Revelation, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. So, the Lord has just been speaking to him again. You know, it's that, that passage in, in Revelations where it says, you have doing all these amazing things, but you've lost your first love. And then he says something very interesting. He says, you've lost your first love, and I want you to repent and do the first works. Now, I don't know about you, but whom of you have wondered, ever wondered, what is those first works that he's talking about? Now, I'm not going to preach a sermon on that this morning, but I just want to prickle your curiosity almost like, you know, like ask that question to yourself. You know, because it's a personal gospel, but I want you to ask your, that question to yourself. Lord, what does that first works look like? when I just got saved and I was so full of joy and full of faith and, you know, just in love with with you. And I know everybody's experience was different. But I thought about that in this week. And I remember the Lord reminded me. um, I don't need reminding. I just thought about it. But the very first thing when I got saved, what the Lord said to me, is I had my Bible and I had a, a quiet time. And he clearly spoke to me and he said, Stoffel, this is my word. And what's amazing is it was, an, it was like one of these new Afrikaans um, translations, you know. Um, and he said to me, this is my word, read it literally. And it was so interesting to me that that was the very first thing that he spoke to me about. The second thing that he spoke to me about was humility. And the, the whole interplay between humility and love, and that the two of them are actually the same. But I'm not going to preach about that this morning. What I, want to, what I wanted to touch on is the devil is always going to challenge the Word of God in your life. I went through seasons like that. You know, the devil is always going to come, want to come and tell you that this is a fallible book. Where the truth is, is this is an infallible book. So, how can you say that stuff? Well, I mean, go and read Google, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you will find out there. But Jesus taught us a principle, and I want to touch on that this morning, that is so important. Jesus taught us a principle, and he said, judge a tree by its fruit, okay, judge a tree by its fruit, now theologians, historians, whatever, they can tell you a whole bunch of stuff, but at the end of the day, what I want you to do is go and look at the fruit of the people's lives that treated this word with respect, <laughs> that believe that this word is the fallible word of God. And if you look at those people's lives, you will see that they lived in victory. You will see that they had good fruit in their life. You will see that they were following signs, wonders, and miracles of following their life still today. Countries that honored this word of God were prospered, living in freedom, countries that didn't honor this word of god lived in bondage and in poverty <laughs> just look at the fruit just look at the fruit and why am i saying this is i want to encourage you is study this book <laughs> get into this book i know this is like christianity 101 but i just got such a urgency in my spirit about this is that they it's always it's been It's been coming for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but it's still today we have this, is that the enemy is going to try and disqualify this because he knows if he he can get you to that place, then you become a powerless Christian. So build your life on this. I, I mean, I can tell you so many stories in my own life, so many other men of God, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, you name it. This word was sufficient for them. So what I'm trying to say is, John G. Lake, let's use him as an example. He didn't have all the self help books that we have today. He didn't have Kumbooks. You know, he, he didn't have like all these awesome books, you know, that's that's out there. and I'm not dishing books, you know, like I'm also gonna write a book one day. But um, <laughs> I'm not trying to but if you just boil it down again, John G. Lake didn't have all these books that we have today, but he had this book. And I go and study his life, and you will see that if we all can just live like John G. Like, this world will never be the same, you know. He lived a victorious Christian life. He changed the world. I mean, no, I'm, I don't want to go into the, into the depths of like, but, but this, this guy, just through the word of God, just through the word of God, Smith Wigglesworth, so many other people, just through the word of God, they lived, like the stuff that we're dreaming about, they, they lived, and they operated in that, the supernatural, heavenly encounters, you name it, you know, you don't need anything else, except for this, don't let the enemy come and lie to you, and say, God, I've preached about this so often, but, the biggest lie of the enemy what happened in the Garden of Eden is he said, God is holding back from you. And he's still doing that today. The biggest lie that the enemy is trying to say to you is that God is holding back from you. And the way that he does with this is like, this is not sufficient. You need something else. You need this and you need that and you need this book and this revelation, what, 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 what. But it's all in here. The fullness is all in here and men of god operated in in stuff that we haven't even heard of and it's all through this book through studying this book through eating it putting it in their lives building their lives on this not on media not on what the world says not on popular opinion not on current culture but on this book because this book is timeless and it's alive and active Okay, so I think I've, I've, I've brought this point home because we, we're going to look at this, this word and I, I just feel like it's so important for me. It's so amazing. Every time I, I, I look at my Bibles, my Bibles were there in our upper room and I've shared it before, but there's still gold dust on my Bibles of the glory of God that manifested in our house. Um. Don't know why I said that. I just saw it like again on my Bible. but <laughs> um, Okay, so. I'm going to share with you something this morning. And again, like I said, if you look at sports, The sport teams that that wins are the sport teams that does the basics well. So what I'm going to share with you this morning is very basic and foundational, but yet we don't have full revelation of this. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit that today through His Word that He will just come and bring revelation to us. Because there's something that I sense what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church right now in this season. And when I say the season, I'm really talking about this last few months. There's something that the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. You know, it's almost like that revelation. Like, what is the Spirit saying to the church right now? There's something that I feel that He's saying to the church right now, and we need to get it because we're not going to be able to go on to where He wants to take us before we've settled this thing in our hearts, until we get a revelation of what He is saying to us. Now, my previous sermon, if those of you who were here will remember, and I'm just quickly going to touch on it, because it just flows out of that, but you know in the temple we had the lampstand, and on top of the lampstand there was little oil lamps that was burning on top of the lampstand. And the priest had to continually come and fill up the oil every single day. That was part of the priestly duties. They had to come and fill up the oil on that little lamps that was standing on top of the lampstand. And we know from Revelations that the lampstand is the church, and the lamps is the Holy Spirit. But then Zechariah saw this vision in Zechariah 3:4, and he says, he saw this vision, and uh, this whole picture changed. And all of a sudden, this... There was no more distinction between the lampstand and the lamp. It was one. And there was, a con- there was pipes that was flowing from an olive tree, and, it co- and, and there was a continual supply of golden oil that ran through the lampstand into the lamps, and it, was, it never ran out. There was a continual supply. And I preached about how that is Zechariah prophesying about the new covenant, that in the new covenant our spirit and the Holy Spirit becomes one. And now, because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, there is a continual supply of oil in your life. It never stops. There's a continual supply of oil in your your life. And um, we looked at, like, what does that mean and how does it look like? But I want to go further this morning, and I want to read to you, one of, one of the verses that the Lord is really speaking to me about um, in this time. So, it's in John 14, verse 23. John 14, verse 23. I'm reading out of the New King James um, translation. And it says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So Jesus says is if everyone if anybody loves me, he gives you a promise. He says, If you love me, you will keep my word. It's a promise. So what we focus on is our love relationship with Jesus. You know? We focus on our relationship with Jesus. And as we as we love him more and more and more, the more The more that we love him, the more we step into obedience. The more we do and keep his his word. It's a promise that he's giving us there. But then he says something that's mind-blowing. And he says, And my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. So Jesus says, We will make our home with this person. Obviously talking about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So here Jesus says in his in the Word of God that the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, if you love Jesus, they come and make their home in you. So we're going to look at some more some more scriptures. Um, I'm going to just I'm not going to read it, but in one Corinthians three verse seventeen, and then also in one Corinthians six verse nineteen. Paul keeps on saying to the Corinthian church that, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you understand that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And what he's trying to say there is, if we get a revelation that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we live our lives differently. Okay? If you get a revelation that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, you will live your life differently. Now, that applies in many different ways. But one of the the obvious things, and that is what Paul is talking about there in the context, and I don't want to preach on this so much, but if you understand that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, you will take care of your body. Okay? You will take care of your body. (laughs) You will exercise. You will eat healthy. um, You will rest enough. You will sleep enough you will take care of your body. But you need to get that revelation. Okay. The temple in the Old Covenant was adored. <laughs> yeah. The temple in the Old Covenant, they spent millions of dollars, in today's context, in making the temple beautiful. <laughs> And um, it's something that's been taken over into the New Covenant and for you to understand that your body is not evil. We know that Paul talks about the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. But if you go and study that, what he's actually talking about, he's talking about carnal thinking, fleshly thinking. Fleshly thinking, carnal thinking, a carnal mindset is enmity against God fleshly thinking is what Paul is referring to when he talks about your flesh. He's he's talking about the way that you think. And that is what, you know, I'm not going to go into depth into that, but your body is not evil. Jesus had a body. (laughs) And I've spoken about this before. Jesus was raised from the dead, okay? He wasn't a spirit. He ate in front of them. He had a physical body. And He ascended into heaven with his physical body. Okay, so your body isn't evil. The the Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in Jesus Christ in bodily form. So what I'm trying to say is just your body is a temple. This flesh of yours is a temple and it's beautiful and he made it beautiful and it's okay for you to adorn it, (laughs) you know. The ladies, it's okay, you know, to make yourself beautiful. Jesus loves it. (laughs) And for us men, you know, like, it's okay that we look after our bodies. It's okay that we exercise and all of that. Not just okay, it's important. Because He wants you to live a long life in, in this earth. Okay, but that's not what I really wanted to to touch on what I want to go is I want to read to you out of Ephesians 2 verse 21 and you can turn there with me but I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation so I'm going to just quickly get it Ephesians 2 from verse 21 this is going to I'm trusting that this is going to bring it just home, just more. It's going to bring it home to you. Okay, let me just get it, 21, 21. I'm going to read from verse 20. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets, And best of all, you are connected to the head, cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. Verse 22 is the the main verse. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So what Paul is saying here is that you are the holies of holies. I mean, that's what the literally said there, you know, when I read it. It's not what I'm saying, is that, you are the holies of holies. And we all know that the teachings about the temple, you know, you've got the outer court, and you've got the holy place, and then you've got the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant was. And it's the holies of holies where the, the very essence and the glory and the presence of God dwells. You are the holies of holies. I just want you to just, just for one moment, just think of that. Just let that sink into your spirit. You are the holies of holies. And Lord, I just pray for a spirit of revelation right now. I just release a spirit of revelation, Lord, to just fill this place and every single person that's listening online, Lord. I just release. A spirit of revelation, Lord, I pray that this is not mental assent, Lord. This is not reasoning in our hearts. This is revelation. And Lord, I pray that every single person in the sound of my voice will receive the revelation that they are the holies of holies. Lord, I pray that that something will shift inside of our hearts, Lord. It will not be just something in our minds. But it will be something in our hearts that we realise that our innermost being is the holies of holies. And I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that reality to set into every single person. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what what is what is two of the characteristics of religion? Two of the characteristics of religion is religion wants to say to you that there's separation between you and God. And obviously that is what we're talking about now, that there's no separation between you and God. You are the holies of holies. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just of the Holy Spirit. That's why I read that first verse. It says there, us, we, will come and make our home with you. So it's, it's not even this thing of like, okay, how can I put it? Religion wants to say to you, Yah, it's like this conceptual thing and it's a part of God, but it's actually like, Jesus specifically used the word home. <laughs> you know, what is a home? A home is the place where you are most of the time. The place where you want to be. The place where you dwell all the time. The place where you, you know, hang out. It's your favorite place to be. That is home. And what Jesus is saying is, that's who you are. You are God's home. You're His favorite place. You're the place where He feels most comfortable. You're the place where He can kick off His shoes. And He's like, I like it here. It's it's nice here, you know. <laughs> that is who you are. And there's no greater level of intimacy when you realize this revelation. And there's no greater place of rest that he's resting in you. He created all the world in six days. And then he created you on the sixth day. And he said, It's very good. And he was like, It's so good. I'm going to move in here. And then he rested. (laughs) He's not performing inside of you, he's resting inside of you. And he's taking you into that rest. It's not like when he comes, it's like, you know, like, and I know our bodies act that way when he really, you know, when we start to become aware of of his presence. But the truth is that he is continually inside of you and he's made his home within you. And what religion wants to say to you is that you need to perform to be with him. You need to perform to reach Him. You know, and I, I know there's like this whole new thing of, and I mean, I, I, I preach about it also, you know, about the whole thing of like, you know, going into the Holy Spirit. I preach a whole sermon about us going into the throne room. And I preach about it often, the fact that we go and visit Him in His throne room, and He comes and visits us. But the reality is that His throne and heaven is inside of you, so I've prayed once, I had this amazing encounter with the Lord, and I asked him, Lord, no, 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 I didn't ask him, sorry, I I asked him, Lord, what is on your heart, what do you want to say to me, tell me something, you know, like, we've got that relationship, just tell me something, what's on your heart, and, um, and he said to me these words, and I knew that th- that couldn't come out of myself. And he said to me, Stoffel, I want to tell you something. I was like, okay. And he said, Heaven is the realm of the heart. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I, it was so out of my frame of mind, I knew it, I couldn't make it up. I knew it was him. And he said to me, Stoffel, heaven is the realm of heart. And over, the, over those next Wow, he started teaching me about that. That, and again, like I said, heaven is not something out there, you know, like now I travel past the stars and I go past the galaxies and, you know, like, and okay, eventually, okay, now I, I've reached heaven. <laughs> That's not, if you're really going to study the word heaven, it just means the higher realm. And I've touched on it before. It's when heaven when heaven opened, there was always a cloud, because <laughs> the, the the cloud was the doorway into the higher realm. But it wasn't like, whoa, I'm, you know, I'm flying up here. whatever whatever what. it's, it's literally like just another dimension that you go into. But in actual fact, you're actually just going inside. <laughs> I know it's weird, but actually, what you're doing is, you just Going inside. That's what the Bible says. You know, that's what that's what the Bible, that's that's the word of God. So why is that so important? Is because the Lord is taking that thing of separation away. He's taking that thing of like, Okay, Lord, I wanna now go and meet with you and I must do this and do that and go through this hoop and through this hoop and now and now okay, now I'm in the throne room and... No, no. He's made His home with you. He's with you. As you sit there, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is with you. They're not far away. And I know it's... it's Sometimes it's difficult for us to, to, to imagine the whole thing that it's inside of us because we've got such a big picture of God and that's awesome. So what I like to do is I just... I just sense them it 's not like i 'm trying to imagine it I, I just sense them being with me that 's what Jesus said. We made our home with you. You are the holies of holies, but for relationship's sake you know it 's like they 're with us they 're with you, and you can speak to them. You can ask them questions you know they it 's a real relationship it 's not this thing that religion is saying like I don't know, I just feel the Holy Spirit is just speaking about this over and over and over again. But it's not this thing of like, Lord, I need to go and find you somewhere. I need to reach out to you. I need to, you know, it's, that's religion. <laughs> he's, he's with you. He's, he's living himself. And you are the holiest of holies. There's, there's no greater place. And that's why Jesus sprinkled his blood on you. Because His blood is what sanctifies you. In the Old Covenant, they built the sanctuary, the first temple, they built the sanctuary, and they sprinkled it with blood. And as soon as it got sprinkled with blood, it was set apart, sanctified, made holy, and the presence of God moved in. Bam! They just sprinkled it with blood. It was normal earthly stuff that they used to build the temple. Cloth, and gold and you know stuff like that wood normal stuff earthly stuff they build a sanctuary with it they sprinkled it with blood and the presence of God came in bam it's exactly what happened with you you didn't make yourself holy you didn't make yourself worthy it is his blood and the Bible says that through his blood he has drawn near to God It's through His blood. And you were sprinkled. Peter said, through the sprinkling of the blood, you were made holy and righteous and set apart so that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Almighty God, can live inside of you. If we can grasp that, the world will never be the same. So, I want to just show you some awesome scriptures. So, uh, Revelations, actually, and I'm not going to go into depth into that for time's sake, but go and look at the Revelations, um, you know, like Revelations 21, Revelations 20, 21, go and read it, and it talks about the city of God. And, um, and it describes the city of God. And what's interesting is that John clearly says that this city doesn't have a temple. And I'm not going to go like, too much into depth of this, but basically what it comes down to is you are the temple of God. Okay. The light of Jesus is shining inside of you. He's living inside of you. And then with us all coming together like this, we are the city of God. So the city of God is believers coming together. And because we are filled, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And Jesus is living inside of us. And Jesus is the light of the world. So when we come together, we form a city. And that's why Jesus said... You are the light of the world. And then he goes on and he says, You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Okay? So, you are the city of God. But I want to read to you Psalms 46 verse 4. You can turn there with me. Psalms 46 verse 4. Psalms 46. And it says, Psalms 46, verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, <laughs> the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So Jesus said, Jesus stood there and he cried out and he said, Whoever is tired and wh- whoever is heavy laden, whoever is thirsty, come to me and come and drink. And then Jesus said, and when you drink from me, because he said to the woman at the well, if you drink from this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. So then, in the other place, like I said, he stood up and he said, come and drink from me, and out of you will form a fountain, a river. And this river will gush out of you. And then the Bible actually explains itself, one of the few places where it explains itself, and it says, Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit that will be poured out when He is glorified. Okay? So that's obviously talking about the Holy Spirit. So, in your innermost being, your innermost being is the holies of holies. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and there's a continual flow. The Bible says, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. So there was a continual flow. But this continual flow becomes a river. It it becomes a fountain within you. And then this river starts to flow. So what did Ezekiel see? (laughs) Ezekiel says, I saw the temple. That's you. (laughs) I saw the temple. If you go and study what Ezekiel saw, you will clearly see, he didn't see the old covenant temple. He saw the new temple, he saw you. And he says, I saw this temple, and from under the door flowed a river. And initially, it was just very shallow, and it became deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was for the healing of the nations. And everywhere this river flowed, there was fruit, and there was healing." Revelation is exactly the same thing. John saw that river. It's you. <laughs> that river flows out of you. And it brings healing to the nations. It brings life wherever you go. You are a life-giving spirit. <laughs> okay? Wherever that river flows. So I want to again read you. Psalms 46 verse 4 says, There is a river whose stream shall make glad." The city of God. So you are the city of God together, and in you there's a river that flows. And when your river flows, the whole city becomes glad. What is it saying here? What is what what is the psalmist saying here is that he's talking about church. You know, he's talking about believers. When believers come together, it's not just the pastor standing here in the front that's supposed to flow. And that was what's so beautiful that happened this morning, you know. It wasn't just the pastor that was flowing. We all came together. We all prayed in tongues. We all let the river flow. And when that happens, the city of God becomes glad. (laughs) Okay? When When is the church a happy place? It's when everybody is flowing. Not just the pastor... Everybody is flowing. When 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 does the church get edified? When everybody prophesies, not just the pastor. And I want to encourage you, like when people when you come to church, don't just come to to, to flow. You know, come and give people prophetic words. Don't just wait for okay, Sopho is gonna give us a prophetic word. No, we've we've all got a river. You are all the holies of holies. You are all flowing. And it's not. It's not even you. Just, just surrender. Just surrender to the Holy Spirit and let that river flow. Because when everybody starts to flow, it's a happy place. <laughs> I'm going to read to you from Psalms 36 verse 9. It's Such a well-known psalm. Psalms 36 verse 9 says, I'm going to actually read um, verse 8 first. Verse 8 says, They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, (laughs) and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. So beautiful. So that initially we come and drink from Jesus, and it's the river of pleasure. It's the river of joy. We go to Jesus and we, and as we drink from that fullness of the river, we partake of the fullness of his house. So what is he saying here is again, we are, you are his house. (laughs) And other people are going to come and drink from you and receive from the fullness of God out of your life. And then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So, again, Jesus is the source of this fountain. Jesus is the source of this river. And we drink first from him. He's our focus. We drink from him. And then as we drink from him there's an overflow that happens in our life. And this overflow then gushes us out to the people around us. And that's how we get to actually change the whole world. Is we first drink from Jesus. So we know that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the ultimate fountain. Um, Jesus is the source. But He's living inside of us. And then as we drink from Him... And as we receive from him, there's an overflow that happens in our life. And there's a river that starts to flow out of our lives. And the people around us gets touched um, by that. Okay, so I'm going to end off with... You're probably asking, okay, so far, but how do I do that? Okay, so how do I get this river to flow? Because I'm sitting here, and I don't, it's not really a reality to me, the fact that I'm the holies of holies. You know, when I think about it, like, I mean, there's pain in my body, like, you know, I feel discouraged, I feel bad, you know, whatever. Like, it's like almost like such a foreign concept to me to think that, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. So it doesn't feel like a reality to me. And then secondly, you say that because of that there's a river that's flowing out of my innermost beings, but it doesn't feel like there's anything flowing in me, you know. <laughs> so how do I activate all of this? How do I get this river to flow? So I often speak about it that that lame beggar sitting by the temple, and he speaks to Peter and John, and he says, um, he begs from them. And they say to him, silver and gold we have not, but what we do have, we give to you. Stand up and walk. So, you've got something. (laughs) You've got something. They had a revelation that they've got something. And I've often experienced when... When I pray for people, when I pray for the sick, or I pray for for anything, or I'm casting out demons or whatever, you know, like just bringing deliverance to to people's lives, I could feel the flow. It's like Jesus said when the, the, the lady touched the hem of his garment and he didn't know about it. But immediately he turned around and he said, I felt power leave my body. And I want us to get to that place where you start becoming aware of that. Where you start walking in that revelation that you are smack full of wall to wall Holy Spirit. Smack full, wall to wall, of the glory of God. Whatever you want to call it the anointing, the presence, the glory, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit. But you are smack full and you're going to start to see as you walk in this revelation that something is going to start flowing out of you. And when that flow, you're going to see stuff changes. Because His presence is healing. Like, I've, I've spoken about this before, but it's been a while, but healing is not something that Jesus does or the Holy Spirit does. It's literally just He pitches up and His presence heals everything. Like, sickness cannot stand in His presence. Sickness cannot stand in the anointing. Uh, The anointing is what breaks the yoke. No, it's not like, here comes an angel, like, here comes the Holy Spirit, and He's like, with a sword and chops the yoke off. No, it's literally just, the anointing does it. Bam. His presence is what does it. Bam. Nothing can stand, nothing evil and sickness or anything like that can stand in His presence. And what you are going to start to see is, as you go out, there's going to be a river that starts to flow. And you're going to become aware of it. And you're going to see that as it starts to flow, atmospheres are going to change. People's lives are going to be changed. The works of the enemy is going to be destroyed. People are going to get healed. People are going to get set free. And it all happens through faith. Because that is what Mark 16 says. Those who believe these signs will follow them. Okay? It's not even that you are trying to chase after that. You just chase after Jesus. And as you drink from him, that river flows. And you're going to start experiencing it. When you lay hands on people, you're going to start to experience That's what happened with the handkerchiefs of Paul. Because there's a substance in the anointing. There's a substance. His, his presence isn't something pie in the sky... There's a substance in His presence. It says, now now faith is a substance. Faith is a substance. Love is a substance. The presence, the anointing is a substance. And Paul took that, he released the substance into a handkerchief. They took that handkerchief of people that were demon-possessed and sick. They put it on them and the substance healed them. I'm teaching you how the spirit world is working. You're not trying to convince God to do something. That's why I said, when you pray for the sick, you're not begging God to heal this person. You're releasing the substance. You're releasing the river that's within you. That's what Paul and all of them did. That's what happened with Jesus. That that woman touched him with faith, and the substance flowed out of him into her body, and she was instantly healed. And he knew about it. He knew he could feel the power of, there was power leaving his body if you go and read the passion translation you'll see it says that power started emanating from jesus and everybody all everybody that was sick got healed because there was power that was emanating from him Je- peter walked down the road and it says they just wanted to get as close as his shadow and we know that there's no substance in a the shadow there's no substance in a shadow it was the power of God emanating from him. And he was just walking down the street and people got healed. He didn't pray for them. He didn't. Are you seeing what the Lord is trying to show us? Okay. You're not trying to convince God to do something. You're drinking from Jesus. And as you drink from Jesus. As you get into this into the faith. It's all about Jesus. said, Those who believe. Those who believe. Those who believe. It's all about believing this word. And as you believe what I said, believe what the word is saying, that you are the holies of holies, that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, that God is living inside of you, and it becomes a reality to you by faith, it happens. The, sub- the substance starts to being released. And how do we how do we activate all of this? By praying in tongues. <laughs> and I know this is like an old other sermon on its own but when you don't feel like it when you don't you're not aware of it you just start praying in tongues and that is what activates it just more and more and more if you're struggling just start praying in tongues and you'll see how the shift happens and how things happen and I might touch on that some more in the future but um, let's pray So, Jesus, we just thank you that you are so good. (laughs) And, Lord, I thank you that we can come. And you said in your word, come to me, all who are heavy laden. And you didn't say, come and think, Lord. You said, come and drink. It's not something that you can figure out. It's not something that you can reason It's just something that you can drink. (laughs) And Lord, I just thank you that we can come to you now and just allow you to come and give us revelation. Just as you said there, just become aware that he's with you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you Jesus. You are with us. You are so good. You are so, so, so good. And I thank you that you are raising us up as sons and daughters to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. And I thank you Jesus for that revelation. I thank you, Jesus, that you help us and teach us to release what's already inside of us. To get to know what's already inside of us, Lord. And Lord, we know that there's so many self-help stuff out there. But Lord, you say in your word, by praying in the spirit, we edify ourselves. We improve ourselves through praying in the Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that you help us and guide us to pray (laughs) continually. (laughs) All the time. Every single day, Lord. Help us to study your word, Lord. To meditate on your word day and night. To build it and to eat it into our lives. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.